Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And what's funny is I noticed um, last episode, I think in my brain, in my attempt to like... Say uncultured better? No, no. To have like a better intro and be like, and blah, blah, blah. I, we never introduced ourselves. But oh, I guess at whatever. this point, you guys probably know who we are. Or not. That's fine too. That's true. It's just kind of. and But you also never said we were a drinking problem because I never, we never introduced ourselves. It was just. Oh. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunk Uncultured. Oh. And, and you might have said it actually. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyways, we're here. I feel like I'm very spitty today, but I think it's for my pre-workout that I took. It makes me, like, salivate. That's gross. Yeah, I know. It's not fun. <laughs> it be, feels weird. That's going to be on the episode. That's fine. You nasty. Um, Listen, I worked out before this, and I my hair is very gross. Yeah, I need to wash my hair. I'm working out at 7 a.m. again tomorrow, so... Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, I think it's my week to talk it about... Is. Fan fiction. I've been doing a very poor job of um, using my form. And by that, I mean, I've just, like, had no motivation. Like, I've been reading. But I don't know. I'm, like, I'm hitting a point where I'm tired of the tropes I keep reading. Like, the, the pairings. Okay. Because um, I think it's too specific, almost. Like So there's just not enough. There's not. I've, like, gone through. Like, because I, I read, what, Fleabag after watching Fleabag. Yeah. I read um, Sirius Black in either, like, original female character, um, like, reader insert, or Wolfstar. And nobody does anything with Harry Potter anymore. Correct. So. And then I read, like, Bridgerton, but it's only a pairing of, like, the two, like, the... like The Kate. season two people, yeah. right? Um, and then <clears throat> when I read, like, Akotar... Um, it's a crack pairing that I read. Yeah, so that's like so what are there like that, seven? <laughs> uh, there were sixty. Oh, okay. Uh, all smut though, so at least of there's that. Um, I don't know. I I did reread two like fifty thousand word ones from my crack pairing from Akotar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've just kind of hit a wall as far as fan fiction goes. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to read. I guess I'm gonna have to go back to Death Steel because there's so there's much. so many <laughs> so many there's so much Death Steel that that's probably what this year's gonna look like because I read so much Bridgerton between Kate and Anthony yeah. Anthony as the pairing is oh lovely um last year like that was the main one but maybe this year it'll end up being Death Steel because of that but anyways I read um two crack pairings like really long ones. Or not really long ones, like medium length for me, but the, around fifty thousand words. One um, or they're Nesta and Azriel from Akotar. Um, I love them. That's why I went back to them. I think I've read them each now like three times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of them like makes me fucking cry. It's so sad. Um, but I, I, yeah, that's where I am. I reread a Fleabag one that's like 40,000 today. Well, you also just finished rewatching yeah, Fleabag, what, yesterday? Yeah, and this one's not even a happy, it's like a semi-happy ending, but it's just written like kind of how the, the show is written or the script is written. Um, So I enjoy that. But yeah, I'm in like a slump for fan fiction right now. Having a hard time so finding winter, it's anything. It's the winter slump. I go through 
the like album listening slump yeah. at some point too so i get it it's just i'm having a hard time because it's like i won't read something that's not completed so that filter of completed makes things hard too yeah because a lot of the best stuff is abandoned or not completed. right and like i don't want to have the abandoned fix or the absolute most heartbreaking which is why best i'm not fucking written things i've ever read and it's i'm like, not ugh. willing to do that yeah don't do that to yourself it sucks because no, it's it like sucks. it's almost worse it's definitely worse than like reading something sad like if i were to read a fleabag abandoned fig that's like worse than watching fleabag that's more heartbreaking <laughs> anyways so with that let's get into the beer Steph, what are we drinking so another one kind of i don't know topically adjacent um similar to last week's episode when we drank boogie shoes today we're drinking mirror ball from our good buddies at hot butcher for the world here in the city of chicago so this is a double IPA with mosaic, centennial, and citra hops. Um, the tasting notes on the can are bright citrus, sweet berry, and pleasant pine. Sounds like a Taylor Swift song. When I saw sweet berry, the first thing I thought of was um, sweet berry wine. Ah. <laughs> sweet berry wine. Oh, this is good. I definitely get sweet berry. Yeah. This is a fantastic, this is one of my favorite Hot Butcher beers. I remember Ooh. before Hot Butcher was ex- widely available in the city, I remember they did a drop at Beer Temple of literally two cases. I and I sprinted my ass to Beer Temple. I think I was with you. Up. I think I remember you getting that. Um, no, it's. I think Jude physically was delivering them, and you and I were like, these are ours now. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, like, Obviously, the adjective before the noun is, like, there for fun, but mm-hmm. it really does give sweet berry, bright citrus, and pleasant pine. Like, the pine pine in a double IPA can be very, like, resiny almost. Yeah. Um, Sticky, if you will. Yes. This is, that's what, like, resiny. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, but this is very pleasant. Like, it's not, it's, it's balanced with the other flavors, so it's not just, like, sticky pine in your face. It's like the pine is there because there's such sweet flavors that come through as well. It's there to balance it and it kind of like makes it pleasant. As it and says. we've talked before, the tasting notes that Hot Butcher gives you are like so spot on. Yeah. Every time. It's much. never like, I don't know if I see that. Nope. No. Right there. I really do. Like that That sweet berry is really upfront. It's, yep. It's not like an overwhelmingly sweet beer, but there's a lot of sweetness there. And so, like, that citrus kind of balances that out with that brightness mm-hmm. and, like, hit of, like, a little bit of, um, like, tartness, but not really tart. Yeah. It, and then that's, that, like, like, yeah, the kind of zest yeah, of yeah. the citrus. Yeah, exactly. I had to do uh, the crab claws to think about what I was trying to say. Yep. Oh, I like the nail color. They did a good job. My, my busted ass nail, you would never know. Did you do, um, like, a chrome? No, that's a standard polish. It's pretty. Yeah, I know. It saved me 10 bucks because I found one that wasn't chrome. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. So, honestly, I have a feeling that we're going to have the same three words. I mean, I it's, like it's going to be the three on the can. It's the three on the can. It's, like, very... Pine, citrus, berry. Yeah, it's very aptly described. Yeah. I would say smooth as well. Yeah. Um, when I have beers like this from Hot Butcher, I'm just... Like, this is, like, the peak. This is, like, what I think of and what I dream of, of, like, what I want in a double IPA. This, like, it's very reminiscent of the first time we had Hot Butcher. Yeah. Um, at the Busy Beaver Button Oh, yeah, the Button event. Show, yeah. And it was, like, so different than everything else there that was just, like, holy shit. 
And I know like Hoppage is a lot of hazies and a lot of double IPAs, but this is really like their bread and butter. They do this so well. Mm-hmm. And like you're reminded every time you have a double IPA from them, that's like, this is the reason they do so yep. many because it's fucking good. And yep. it, this it is, tastes this like is what, what I want. And it tastes like what they say it's going to taste like. Yep. It's not just like, oh, this tastes like juice. Yeah. It's, it's literally like there's, there's the nuances to their mm-hmm. brews. Which I really like because so many places you go and you get a double IPA and it just tastes like juice or it just tastes like hops and it's... Or it's just like, we've called it that like wash of like the double dry hop where sometimes it's so overpowering that it just kind of is that like pillowy, fluffy flavor of of nothingness. And Hoppager always has the nuances to their beers where it it has that style but there's a nuance to it that makes a difference. There's a lot of like complexity to it that you don't always see. And with them having so like doing so many of them they're all different from each other. And you can lose that with this style so Mm -hmm. much and so quickly. That's why it's sometimes fun to go to their tap room and if you even if they have six double dry hopped IPAs on every single one's going to be different. Right. So that's... And that, that's enjoyable. That's yeah, nice I agree. That, that, that That's a thing that happens. Yeah. All oh, right. Man, this beer is so fucking good. So with that, let's, we're getting into sort of the spiritual successor of our last episode. It's not really like a part one and a part two because we're going through like time. Yeah. But it, they're, they're related. They're related. They're related. So last episode, we talked about 2004 music. Um, and then today we're going to kind of talk about the time surrounding 2014 music. So 10 years later. Yep. A um, couple of fun facts about 2014, similar to last episode. You ready? Um, it was the Sochi Russia Winter Olympics. And that was when they didn't build the athlete village. And there mm-hmm. were all those hilarious memes about how poor the conditions were for yes. the athletes. Um Jimmy Fallon premiered on The Tonight Show, much to everyone's dismay and constant torture and pain. Um, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge was fucking everywhere. Yes. Um, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West got married, and that wedding apparently cost $12 million. Yep. Um, Robin Williams passed away that year. Uh-huh. And I also made a note that that was the peak of Super Hulak on Tumblr, which is a combination of Doctor Who... Supernatural and Sherlock. So I have um, a couple. I have two articles open about this. We also have like the obsession with the Fault in Our Stars. So this was the John Green novel. That movie finally came out, and I remember it being like everyone's personality. Uh, fun fact: I have never read that. I I've have never seen the movie same here, but it was very much like all over Tumblr. I do love John Green on TikTok now, so you know I'm here for it. Um, the song "Happy" by Pharrell. I have a came out that, that year, and later. it was like insane. That's from Despicable um, Me 2, I believe. And yeah. then for, people were just obsessed with Frozen. Frozen came out, like, the year before. November 13th, um, yeah. And it, people were just obsessed with it. I saw Frozen twice in theaters. <laughs> I did not see it in theaters. <laughs> um, and then I have 55 things that happened in 2014. Um, so Guardians of the Galaxy came out that year. Again, like, huge That movie. was back before we hated Chris Pratt, too. Yes. Huge movie. Um, also in this time frame was like the obsession with the Hunger Games and like all young adult dystopian novels, kind of like the, mm-hmm. we've, I think, I think we've, Maze Runner came out around this time yes. too. Um, we talked about, I, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but we've talked about like the death of the young, the young adult. adult dystopian novel. And when I think of this time, time period, I think of my, my, I was a senior in college in 2014. My roommate had a fucking divergent tattoo. Oh no. Yeah, she did. The birds. 
I don't remember. Um, I don't remember what it was. I just remember that I didn't know what it was because I've never read Divergent, yeah. but I just remember seeing that and being like, oh boy. Everyone was wearing like side braids. Um, Snapchat was the most popular app at the time. Um, I no longer use Snapchat, but it blows my mind that it is still so freaking popular 10 years later. Uh, this was the year that Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili Peppers performed together during the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, it's that iconic photo of the Oscars. Isn't that also the year that like Ellen DeGeneres brought pizza to people? Yes, yeah, so it was the and then same it's year. like that one photo of like Bradley Cooper taking a selfie. I have an edited everywhere. version of this on my phone where it's just all Nick Cage's face. Um, Adele Nazim happened. We just talked about this the other day. Yes, Adele Nazim happened. Um, 12 Years a Slave won an Oscar, which was pretty big. The 1989 album, which is like Taylor Swift's bigger, biggest album yeah, ever, I came out that year. Later too. Fancy came out. And I remember that being everywhere, where, at least where I was living. People were obsessed with that song. Uh, yeah, I, I put all of my music notes separate oh, sorry. from this. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Justin Bieber had that arrest. His drunk driving arrest? Yes. Um, the big musical things I had were, um, so January 26th, Daft Punk won Album of the Year for Random Access Memories and Record of the Year for Get Lucky at the Grammys. Um, the lead singer of As I Lay Dying pled guilty to attempting murder after he tried to hire a hitman to murder murder his ex-wife. I did not know about that. Um, the lead singer of Guar, um... David Brocky, a.k.a. Odorous Ungerus, died of accidental drug overdose. Solange attacked Jay-Z in that hotel elevator in New York after the Met Gala because she found out he cheated on Beyonce. I do remember that. And that was everywhere. No one knew why. And it came out like two weeks later yeah. that Jay-Z had been cheating on Beyonce. Right. Which I would beat the shit out of him, too. Yes, like, I hello. would, hello. Um, that summer, Outkast did their first ever reunion tour. Mm-hmm. And then I had the note that Taylor Swift released 1989 in October, which was the second highest debut for any female artist, only behind Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Um, And then I have a couple things about just, like, the vibes at the time. Um, So... We talk a lot about 2014 Tumblr era, mm-hmm. at least the two of us, and I'm pretty sure like that's a that's a thing that's been coming back up a lot, like, at least in 2020, 2021, is that whole like aesthetic was coming back um, on top of like the Y2K resurgence. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to describe kind of like what we were living through. I think outside of like pop culture, which I think is is an interesting mm-hmm. thing. So this is the era of like the tennis skirt, like the the American Apparel tennis skirt. Um, oversized glasses, like what you're wearing right now. Um, the finger mustache thing that the happened. mustache phase. Oh my god! And like, that how was... many people got tattoos on their pointer? I finger only with know mustaches? two people that actually did that. Okay, I don't know any, but like, two people too. is too many. It is too many. It's I... weird that it happened twice. <laughs> it happened a lot more than twice. Um, chokers were a thing. Pigtail buns. Essentially, what and what I read earlier was that a lot of the culture at the time paid homage to the '90s grunge scene. So a lot of like flannel, ripped jeans, um, excessive eyeliner again, but not in like an emo way. I heard people call it like 
pale grunge or pastel, pastel grunge. Yeah, yeah, so I have that on here. And it was a lot of, like, black and white aesthetic. Like, mm-hmm. the people ruling the scene at that time were, like, the 1975, whose aesthetic for their albums just, like... It was the black and white. It was white. the black and yeah. white and then the pastel pink. That was and very Lord's much... Lord's album came out, Pure what, heroin 13? in 2013. Yeah. So, like, that was kind of that same exactly. era. Exactly. And I have that on here. Like, so Arctic Monkeys, the 1975 Lord, that was all very, like, heavy That was the black and white, 2014 yeah. Tumblr aesthetic. aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and then I also have that Lana Del Rey was considered the it girl of the 2014 Tumblr aesthetic. Yeah, Ultraviolence came out in 2014. So that was, like, a big, big time where Lana was, like, fucking everywhere. Yeah. And then the other thing I have on here was just that the aesthetic almost felt like the natural progression from Twee, where, like, Twee was all about, like, kind of being cutesy and, like, the female version of Hipster, like, so things Zoe Deschanel. Mm-hmm. But then you progress into this almost, like, cool and edgy version of it. Like, you're growing up with the aesthetic. And that's, it felt to me like a natural progression of, like, kind of childlike in the mm-hmm. 2000s into, like, an edgier version of that. And that's, like, where the hipster and like the indie aesthetic kind of started to merge yeah because if you think about like i was also reading into this a little bit the indie sleaze came from 20 or 2004 kind Mm -hmm. of was the beginning of that and 2014 is kind of considered to be the end of that aesthetic yep so like we're kind of bookending the indie sleaze era here yes um and so yeah one of the i think the big things is like hipsters were a big thing in 2000s and it was Mm -hmm. almost an insult but by this time, by the book end of it, it was kind of the mainstream yeah. of what was happening yep. in this music scene. It was just hipster culture, and it kind of became synonymous with just indie. So, like, going from hipster being, like, an insult and someone be like, oh, you're such a hipster, for, like, knowing about indie music to it becoming, like, the mainstream of what people were listening to, um, really, like, it, it shows the progression of music at the time. One of the other big things at this time was like the VS, the Visco mm-hmm. app came out around this time. And that was the term of like the Visco the, girl was that that was like the basic girl was the Visco girl yes. at that time. Yep. The hipsters were like the normal people. And right. The basic girls were the Visco girls. Yes. And this was a lot of the time of like the overexposure and then the fairy like, lights, the, right. the adventure aesthetic. Yeah. Wanderlust. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. a big word thrown around along a lot of this time frame. Yep. And then uh, photos at this time were either really grainy to match like the 90s grunge aesthetic. They were trying to represent Or it was stuff, like yeah. overexposed, but also like um, like the black point was turned up. So that Would you was, like, like to see the photos that I have up right now? <laughs> yeah. Overexposed, but like black and white. Yeah. Um, and so much bleach. So much bleach, bleach and a lot of, like, pastel hair colors. And this yeah. is where, like, the gray hair um, phenomenon yes, that came was, in. Or silver hair, I yeah, guess. Yeah, like, intentionally trying to dye your hair silver yes. was, like, super popular. And then having, like, the baby pink tips yeah. or, like, baby blue. And, like, those, like, the the pastel colors really ruled the era. Because I remember having, like, pastel pink tips in college. Wait, I found, like, the photo... Yeah, that's like a replication, apparently. I saw that article. It's like Gen Z trying to do it. Really? Yeah, I have the art. I think I have it up. Oh, well, whatever. I may be closed because I took what I wanted out of it. That's fine. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this, what's really funny to me is like this time, this era hasn't ever really died. No. At least for us. And I was reading an article about how like the millennials are predisposed to be like an extremely nostalgic um generation 
And what rules this generation is nostalgia. And what rules this aesthetic is nostalgia. So, like, it hasn't really gone away. The music hasn't gone away. The style hasn't gone away. Um, It still exists there. And, like, this little subculture of, like, 2014 Tumblr that... I mean, all of our friends still kind of subscribe to the things that we were, like, doing then. Like, we still go on Tumblr. We still read fanfiction. Okay, so time out on that. They say that the reason that especially, like, our age group still is into this stuff is because we were adults at this time. Like, I turned 21 in 2014. Yeah, I was 22. Yeah, so, like, I haven't changed... Yes, I've grown up, but my interests are still very similar to what they were. At no, agree, but like the aesthetic thing, I think is interesting because like we also, still a lot. Like I, not, I have not my my style of dressing has not changed since I was right. twenty one. Agree. That's and, when I got my first big girl job, and, and like, I think that that's interesting because a lot of people like you don't see nineties grunge kids still dressing like nineties grunge, even though they were adults at the time, even if they were adults, right? Like. That aesthetic was still a very approachable aesthetic that could mm-hmm. still work for an everyday look. And I think that's the reason that, like, it still exists today as something that people wear. That also, and I definitely still have clothes that are 10 years old because I'm too cheap to get rid of them. Sure. I don't because I don't fit anymore, but I get it. Um, and, I, and to get into the music, I think... Um, I have an article from Vulture that describe like that's um, it's called an attempt at defining indie music in the 2010s, and it, it goes in to describe what music was like in 2001. So there was that new rock explosion, is what they call it, with like the white stripes, the yeah yeah yeahs, the strokes. That's Interpol. what we called some of this to be like um, the first post punk revival, right? Um, and it says that like. It's very marked, and they're all very similar at the time frame. Yeah. And then in 2007 was another turning point where we got, like, Panda Bear and LCD Sound System and MIA of Montreal and Animal Collective. That's, like, the heavy electronic right. era starting. I mean, um, I, mean, and it I says, will say LCD Sound System started way before 2007, but... It says landmark releases specifically. Fair. But then it says that this is, like... Uh, those those releases in 2007 were, like, glo- quote-unquote global genre splice that India was increasingly resembling. Um, and then things like, you know, the Va- Vampire Weekend released in that year or around that time. I think, I think, the, I think 2008. Um, and it was considered a, like, party-dependent flood of electronic and dance music that gave indie kids something to do besides stand with their hands crossed. And then it says in 2009, there was a graduation of sorts for... Some of the biggest indie artists like Animal Collective, Grizzly Bears, Dirty Projectors that kind of cemented their place. But what happens in 2010s is that there was just this shift of indie music where it's no longer able to be defined by like that one specific set where like they're not all the same anymore, right? Yep. So they all started to kind of differentiate and and branch off. And it says that quote unquote 2010s indie music has had its, or sorry, 2010s indie music has been untethered to any sort of temporal definition. It's a reflection of the endless scroll feeling that streaming services and small font festival bill placements have. Um, And essentially, like, the music started to branch, as I mentioned. We have, like, James Blake. Um, We have, who, like, worked on Beyonce albums and Travis Scott albums. And... It says, 
there there's like this electric pop subgenre that occurred mm-hmm. at this time and we've talked about how like electronic music is really big during like times of depression and recession mm-hmm. um and this is kind of like the aftermath of the 2008 yep. recession right Correct. so like we're seeing a lot more of the like, electronic music coming out it's music you can dance to because you can't do anything else right um and that's what we see in this time frame is a lot of even like the 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 mainstream artists at this time so um odd future tyler the creator they're pulling in some of these genres Mm -hmm. um from the indie music scenes from the indie electronic scene specifically and this is kind of where we talked about indie music branching into indie rock and like emo rock and Mm -hmm. post-punk but we're also seeing now like indie music branching into indie electronic Mm -hmm. which is a lot of like what we listen to now too like electronically influenced albums like um Passion Pit and Mike Snow and, like, anything essentially with a synth at that time was yeah, defined. Yeah, most of that started late 2000s, early 2010s. Was right. when Even if they didn't, that's when they had their peak. A lot right. of them was, you know. And it's referred to as, quote-unquote, like, laptop music. Um, but it's really, like, the way they defined it uh, was anything with a synth. So, like, thinking yeah. M83, Matt and Kim, Phoenix. Like, it's very reminiscent of, like, the post-punk scene, but it kind of evolves it. Yeah, that's another... interesting that they call that laptop music because I think of, I mean, a, a genre that was very popular in this time is like chill house, vaporwave, glitch pop. Like that is truly laptop music. Right. Like Passion Pit, I think falls in there, but like, but I think that that's... some of these, I think, is a hard. I agree, comparison. but at the time, they just there wasn't a word to define them, so yeah, they were referred to as electronic saying. music, yeah. like Matt and Kim. And Phoenix, like not really like electronic music, quote unquote. No, but they were cons- they were falling into that genre because mm-hmm. there wasn't like that indie electronic. There wasn't, the, it, you know. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I made a note of um, the top. Just it, it doesn't necessarily. It kind of applies to a little bit of what we were talking about when we started this episode. I have the top ten Billboard songs of that year, 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one was All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. So think about that for a minute. That song was huge at the time. And it song sucks. And it sucked it, it's bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. I don't like Megan Trainor's music. I don't music. either. It feels like um, music that theater kids listen to. A little bit. Did you know she's married to Junie from I did. Spy Kids? I did in fact know that. Um, also, when I think of her, I think of when she hosted or she didn't host. She judged Drag Race, but she showed up in a unicorn onesie. And I was like, what the fuck are you wearing? That's camp. Uh, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> um, number two was All of Me by John Legend. Three was Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Four was Dark Horse by Katy Perry. Five was Fancy by Iggy Azalea. Uh, six was Happy by Pharrell Williams. Seven was Rude by Magic. That song also sucked. Um there was Shake It Off, Taylor Swift, The Monster, Eminem, and Timber by our good boy, Pitbull. I love him. That song's good, too. That's a great song. Um, I have in front of me uh, Enemy's Top 30 Rock and Indie Tracks streamed on Spotify in 2014, and this is according to the UK. Number one and two belong to Coldplay. Number three... was Wait, was Sky Full of Stars on the same album as Magic? Yes. Sky Full of Stars is on Ghost Stories? Um, yeah, another ghost story standout is what it says here. Um, the next one. that song, Sky Full of Stars. That song slaps. Number three, Imagine Dragons Radioactive. Do you remember the chokehold Imagine, Imagine Dragons, Dragons was fucking had? everywhere. It was so much. Um, they played Lollapalooza in 2013. 
and me and our friend, one of our friends were there, and we're like 19, and right. this couple is, Imagine Dragons played at like 5.30 p.m. on a side stage, and this couple in front of us was sucking face so hard, and like going at it, at and they were getting handsy, oh, 5.30 no. p.m. to Imagine Dragons. Honestly, it brings so out- So scarring. Imagine Dragons brings out a weird part of society. Like, it was everywhere, and I don't understand it to this day, like, what people saw in it. Remember when Kendrick Lamar performed Radioactive with Imagine Dragons that one time? God. Hey, there it is! <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. We have Royals by Lord. Fantastic song. Not Disclo- the best song on that album, no, but it's, it's a not. good song. Uh, Disclosure, Disclosure Latch. That song slaps. The 1975 Chocolate also slaps. That song's funny because we always make fun of it because you can't understand what No, you what have Maddie no idea Healy what you're saying. We have the song Pompeii by Bastille. That song, <laughs> song was, was fucking so... everywhere. And that it's a great slaps. song. It's, it's a great still song. Slaps. It's a great song. I'm only going to go through the top that 15, al- wait, That Bad Blood album, I think, came out either in early 14 or late 13. Great goes album. so hard great to album. this day. Um, we have number eight, Arctic Monkeys, Why Do You Only Call Me When You're High. Great also song. not the best song on that album, it's a but great it's song. very good. Bastille of the Night. More Bastille, let's go. <laughs> number 10, Arctic Monkeys, Arabella. That's the best song And this is where album. we're getting into like the heavy bit of indie coming yeah, through, right? Yeah. Number 11, All J, Breeze Blocks. That song slaps to this day. That's on their second album? Oh no, wait. That thought Breeze Blocks on the first album. It doesn't know. matter because her second album came out, but that's funny that that song had such staying power. Number 12. That song also came out when I was in high school. 2011. Pumped Up Kicks was still big by uh, Foster the People. Arctic Monkeys, Snap Out of It. I like how Arctic all, Monkeys all of these Arctic the Monkey but, songs are AM. But also what I said was like at this era, the defining artists were Lord, Arctic Monkeys, and the 1975. Yeah. That was very much the aesthetic, the Tumblr yeah. aesthetic. Like how many photos did you reblog that were like the 1975 or arctic monkeys like that shit fit every aesthetic i also of every saw Tumblr. the arctic monkeys for the first time in 2014 life-changing um number 15 is sex by the 1975 for some reason <laughs> and, and actually this, this does kind of make sense though so number 16 is smells like teen spirit by nirvana but this also makes sense when you relate it back to the resurgence and like the homage that all so much of to this era was playing sound. towards the yeah. grunge era. Like I remember there was a point where my like Tumblr blog was specific to like nineties grunge. And like, that was the aesthetic that I had. Um, Kings of Leon sex is on, sex on fire. That song was huge at the time. And it was like six years old. Um, tennis court by Lord. That's also, the best song. That on is the, the best song on the album. Um, one of my favorite bands at the time, My Number by Foles. That song rips. Um, MGMT Kids and the song, um, also out. old. Yeah, that was a couple of years But ago. like, again, kind of, that's the, that was the aesthetic yeah. of the time from that, like, indie electronic. With, it, yeah, it's still, everybody was still. We're just gonna jump around then. Um, Skinny Love, the obsession people had with that song, Skinny Love. Um, again, that an also old an song. Old one. But like, I remember seeing like things reblogged on Tumblr that were like people getting tattoos of like, I told you to be patient. I told you to be fine. I told you to be um, balanced. And I told you to be kind. Like there I were so many pe- tattoos that people got of like those lyrics. Bony Bear, very good live. I saw him last year. I was um, very impressed. Our boys, the BBC. <laughs> the BBC. <clears throat> uh, so Long, See You Tomorrow is such a damn good album because that came out in 13 or 14 too. 
Yeah. And that album rips. The other start to finish. The bangers. other thing I have for this time frame is just the, the obsession of like indie folk music that was coming out. The so, like, Lumineers, the Lumineers, Mumford, Mumford and, Sons. and Sons. Yeah, it was. I also I saw Mumford and Sons in thirteen. I saw both, but the chokehold that like music had too, like so much stomp and clap, as you say, mm-hmm. like Mumford and Sons. I want to say think of Monsters and Men. Their album came out in fifteen. My head is an animal. Yeah, yeah. I loved of Monsters and Men. I still do. They still slap. Um, But I think that's all the same era. Yes. Um, A lot of Arctic Monkeys, specifically AM. I mean, we talked though. Like we said, yeah, that was the aesthetic of the time frame. A lot of Arctic Monkeys. Um, Like the last like five. Well, the one thing I find really interesting on that list we were just looking at was that. the only specific artist that had that many top streamed songs off of one album that came out at that time is AM by the Arctic Monkeys. Yes. The other al- the other songs that were on there, it's like you have like a resurgence of like or it's a resurgence of old stuff, mm-hmm. but there was like seven or eight tracks on AM alone. Yes. And that came out in fall of thirteen. Yes. So that's like that is that's wild that that's mm-hmm. I'm surprised and Mr. Then, Brightside I mean, wasn't there's on there. also <laughs> that's true. There's also Lord, so Pure Hair Heroin yeah. came out in 2013, 13. and also very big at the time yeah. frame. But again, like very much the aesthetic of the time frame is what people were listening mm-hmm. to. I have a list from Paste as well on the best indie albums of the time frame. I've never heard of this, but um, so I this is, love Heinz. This is not necessarily specific to 2014, but in the t- 2010s as oh, okay. a whole time frame. Mm. Um, because obviously like, that album definitely did not come out in 14. No, but um, you know the the indie genre, like this this time frame, like 2014 wasn't like the end end. Yeah, but it started to die off around 2016 ish, yeah. 2017. Um, so Heinz, yeah, Chastity Belt, the album was fantastic. No regrets. No regrets. We don't have to go through this whole thing. I just thought okay. it was interesting. We have real estate. Mac DeMarco Salad Days came out in 2014, and that album was fantastic. I love Mac. That's probably my favorite Mac album. Um, the other thing I think is interesting to talk about is like this time frame is like when Tame Impala came started out, to started out. to come out. Yeah. And um, when did Giz start? 2011 i think 2010 i mean this was before giz would have had any real real yeah mainstream traction but this is i mean giz didn't have mainstream traction until like three years ago so fair this is kind of the introduction to like mainstream psychedelic Mm -hmm. rock music as well so like Mm -hmm. tame impala again like got looped into this did you know it's just one guy no I think at this time it was more than one guy. I, and I think it was, yeah. yes. I do think it was. Because I remember seeing Tame Impala before it was just one guy. Yeah. Um, but Lone Before it was out. one guy plus Pond. Yes. Sunbathing Animal. One by of Park my favorite Quartz. albums from that year. Some of these albums are way later. <laughs> well, yeah, just the 2010s. I'm looking for one specifically. Future Island Singles. Um, that album is absolutely incredible. Future Island still plays a lot of music off of that album. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crowd goes absolutely bananas. Uh, Celebration Rock by Japan Droids. That's an album I still listen to a lot. Not necessarily of the genre, but... Yeah. St. Vincent Self-Titled came out that year. Yep. That was my... 
first real introduction, I feel like, to St. Vincent was hearing Digital Witness, mm-hmm. which is obviously on the self-titled. And then I went back and found all of her old stuff. And then now I'm absolutely an Annie Clark stan until I die. Um, Are We There by Sharon Van Etten is an absolutely incredible album that came out in 2014. I actually just got the 10-year repress of nice. that delivered. I'm very excited. I'm obsessed with her. Uh, Trouble Will Find Me by The National. Again, I feel like this That's fell into like my- that favorite national albums this like i remember the national being huge too and i almost feel like they got roped into like the lumineers mumford and sons a little bit but they're they're definitely more on the indie side they They got looped into that because their fans were all older yeah the national started as dad rock and is still dad rock yeah i agree they literally had a t-shirt on their tour this past year that said sad dad rock love that I Love You, Honey Bear by Father John Misty a year later, but that was one of, like, the big Father John Father Misty. John Misty had a big album, I think, in late 13, early 14 as well that was really popular. The, hold on, the album with Hollywood Forever Cemetery Sings came out, oh, it was 2012, but that album I remember listening to a ton mm-hmm. my senior year of college. Um, Modern Vampires of the City by Vampire Weekend. There third album yes vampire weekend at the time it wasn't like the aesthetic of it but i that felt they almost like, felt quint- like the twee aesthetic it that kind of kept moving along and it somehow very much felt like the quintessential college music oh, yeah. at the time like that was a college party music absolutely and i think that's also what's interesting to talk about too and we haven't gotten to it is like we were in college at this time you mentioned yeah. that and our college era is defined very differently than I feel like a lot of other ones are where it's usually like the music that you listen to and like parties was generally ruled by like whatever was popular like pop music at the time Mm -hmm. but parties I went to it was all like we listened to so much Matt and Kim in college like it was insane I listened to a lot of like foals a lot of like vampire weekend a lot of um like two-door cinema club a lot of um just a lot of this genre. Yeah. And like Matt and Kim, a lot of Matt and Kim, a lot. I listened to the vaccines. Yep. Saturday. While in college, like that was what we played at like parties. Yeah. And it's, it's very different than like whatever we was did, popular. I will say we like did fancy. both because we no, also, we I, we, we listened to like Portugal the Man and we, then we would immediately go to like Iggy Azalea. Like yeah. we did both. I think it depended on who I was around. So yeah. if I was around like my friends, it was the indie, all indie mm-hmm. electronic music that we were listening to. If it was around people I worked with at like the bar, then it was like pop music interspersed with that. But it was always there. It was always still listening to like, we were listening to Pompeii so many times. Yeah. Our thing was always my, when my senior year, especially that, cause we, we lived in that big ass house. Yeah. So we would throw house parties and we had to have a mix of both. Because everybody's got to find something they can enjoy, right? I found the list of Pitchfork's um, top 100 tracks of 2014. Okay. I'm not going to go through all of them, but a couple of the highlights. Obviously, Seasons, Waiting on You by Future Island. Mm -hmm. That was actually number one. Can't Do It Without You by Caribou. Run the Jewels, Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck. Wallace by Beyonce. Queen by Perfume Genius. Um... Zero to 100 by Drake was on here. Panda Bear, Mr. Noah. Boss Ass Bitch, Nicki Minaj. X-Hex, Don't Want to Lose. Digital Witness, St. Vincent. Partition, Beyonce. Do You by Spoon. Um, Problem by Ariana Grande. Pendulum, FK Twigs. Boom Clap, Charlie XCX. That song was so good. Um, 
Jesse Love or Jesse Ware, Tough Love, Real Estate, Talking Backwards, um, Blockbuster Night Part Two or Part One. You know, RTJ, Taylor Swift Style, Inside Out by Spoon Eye, Kendrick Lamar, um, Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me, mm-hmm. Archie Marry Me by Always, and that album came out in that 14, year, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, the Lord's Favorite by Ice Age, Chasing Time, Azalea Banks, Sunbathing Animal by Parquet Courts, The Singer, Tyson Gall, Shellac, Dude Incredible, Ought, Habit, Father John Misty, Born in the USA, Vince Staples, Blue Suede, uh, Cloud Nothings, I'm Not Part of Me, Proto Martyr, Murmurs, New Pornographers, War on the East Coast, Out of the Woods, Taylor Swift, um, so kind of all over the place. Like that's, I feel like that sums up a lot. Oh, <laughs> um, Viet Cong is on here. So preoccupations. Mm-hmm. And I always forget they changed their name. And I was like, wait, oh, that's just preoccupations. <laughs> um, I think the other thing too, at this time, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but this is like when people our age started to go to festivals. Yeah. I went to my first festival in 13. Same. Um, and so I think that's another interesting thing is like, this is the music that was at festivals. Yep. Like, my first festival was Bonnaroo in 2013 and Mumford and Sons was one of the headliners before they had to pull so, yep. out. M- oh, Mumford and Sons, their first show back was Lollapalooza. Okay, so they had to pull out, um, for their bassist had brain cancer. Yes. Um, but like the lineup is like Wilco, the national, yeah, the St. National, Vincent, yeah. Passion Pit, the XX, Grizzly Bear, Animal Collective, of Monsters and Men, like Beach House, Edward Sharp. Oh my God! Do you remember the how much Edward Sharp was there um, in the world? That was me and one of my best friends' favorite band at the time, and we went and saw them in 2014. Open for Jack Johnson. Weird, weird vibe. <laughs> this was the I saw Jack Johnson at Bonner. Um, this was also the era of like Lindsay seeing Foles seven times. Oh yeah, in one year, um, Tame Impala was there. Gaslight Anthem, um, like Portugal the Man, mm-hmm. um, like Foles was there. We had Matt and Kim, Alt J, Father John Misty, Walk the Moon. Walk the Moon was insane. They like, had a chokehold twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. I think Shut Up and Dance didn't come out till sixteen. But Anna Sun, Anna came, Sun out came out that year. Yeah. So, um, Purity Ring, it was just, you oh, know, Purity Ring still rips. They do, but just that time frame, like, was crazy. Wild Nothing, I remember being obsessed with Wild Nothing. Wild Nothing is awesome. And really Washed good. Out. Um, and then, like, I think very similar, not very similar, but pretty similar lineup to Bonner or, or to Lollapalooza that year. Lollapalooza had a very different lineup. You want me to read some really? highlights? Yeah. My first music festival actually was not Lollapalooza, but my first my first festival was Electric Forest in 13 back in Michigan. But the 13 Lala lineup was The Cure, Mumford & Sons, The Killers, Nine Inch Nails, Phoenix, Postal Service, Vampire Weekend, New Order. Queens of the Stone Age, The National, Lumineers, Kendrick, Knife Party, which I went to Knife Party. That was fucking wild. Um, Ellie Golding, Grizzly Bear, Lana played... Uh, Major Laser, Hot Chip, Azalea Banks, Local Natives, Two Door Cinema Club, Crystal Castles, Tegan and Sarah, Imagine Dragons, Beach House, Frightened Rabbit, Two Chains, uh, Matt and Kim, Alt J Foles, Death Grips, Smith Westerns, 
Rest in, rest in peace to that band. Rest in peace. <laughs> rest in peace. Um, disclosure, Ben Howard, the vaccines played that year, apparently. Didn't go to that. Don't know why. <laughs> uh, Father John Misty, Dive, um, Emily Sunday, Wild Nothing, Jesse Ware, Atlas Genius, uh, Waves, Unknown Mortal Orchestra, Iconopop, Chance the Rapper's on here. Um, St. Lucia. Who else? San Cisco was on here. The, the Orwells was on here. Um, 21 Pilots is at the fucking bottom. <laughs> uh, the Neighborhood. Uh, yeah, Taming Paula was like in the mid card. Like yeah. middle, middle, yeah. mid card. Um, Brick and Mortar. Ch- Cherub is at the fucking Cherub. bottom. Um, I That's have before sh- uh, Doses and Mimosas, yes. clearly. I have the 2014 Shaky Knees lineup, which is, I guess... Did you the, go that year? I did. It's okay. the year that we're talking really yeah. about. Um, the headliners were The National and Modest Mouse. The National 2014? It was great. Oh, so good. It was great. Um, and then Edward Sharp, Magnag Mag- Zeros, Spoon, Local na- local Natives. Wow, this sounds so good. Gaslight and This was the parking lot years, yes, right? Yeah, this is the parking lot years. Violent Femmes, Cage the Elephant. Cage the Elephant was huge at the time, too. Yeah, they were. Portugal the Man, um, Iron Wine, Jenny Lewis, Foles, oh, Lord Huron, Cold War Kids, um, Deer Tick, Band of Skulls, who I still fucking love. Um, they were playing when we were... Oh, we'll talk about this after. They were playing when we were at the bar the other day. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just... Do you want to hear... Oh, this gets... More of, like, my personal life here, but my, I went to Lala in 2014, um, I mean, I've been to Lala every year since 13, but 2014 was the first year I went with my fiancé, um, first year the two of us went together. The headliners were, well, the acts were Eminem, Outkast, Kings of Leon, Arctic Monkeys, Skrillex, Calvin Harris, Lord, Avit Brothers, Foster the People... Childish Gambino, Broken Bells, Cage the Elephant, of course, Young the Giant, Interpol, Chance the Rapper played again, Fantagram, Cut Copy, Fits in the Tantrums, Group Love, Churches, Portugal the Man, Chromeo, Dark Side, 1975. That's such a good lineup. (laughs) Manchester Orchestra, Flume. Flume played side stage, end of the night during the headliner. It was wild. Temper Trap, Airborne Toxic Event. AFI is on here, Run the Jewels is on here, Bombay Bicycle Club, Kate Nash, Warpaint, Blood Orange. What a great lineup so far. Jungle. Jungle played in 14. We did not know Jungle in 14. No, Parquet Courts is on here. Gemini Club, The Districts, Vic Mensa's at the bottom. Courtney Barnett is at the bottom. That's offensive. Uh, Bleachers is at the bottom. Uh, Meg Myers is on here. Royal Blood is on here. Bear... Bare hands. I love what bare a band. hands. Dude, I forgot about. I haven't listened. Joy to Joy Wave is on here. Uh, Betty Who is on here. Like, how fucking wild! So one artist that we didn't talk about, um, and somehow we didn't talk about, but like having an anniversary this year, a big anniversary is Bleachers. Uh, I figured we would talk through the big album anniversaries at some point. Um, well, we're almost at an hour, so we okay. should probably get to that now. Okay. Um, so, I mean, one of my favorite bands, like Bleachers. So, Jack Antonoff, wi- widely known for producing the big, some of the biggest pop Being stars Being a member at this point. of Fun. Uh, yeah. 
doing bleachers, producing music, winning awards. Winning what? Pretending to be Bruce Springsteen. Best producer or producer of the year for the last like, three the years year, or four yeah. years at the Grammys. Um, produces Taylor Swift, Lord, St. Vincent, the 1975. Lana. Lana. Like, huge albums. Um, Bleachers, Jack Antonoff. Um, Jackie Boy. By the time this episode comes out, it'll it's already passed, but um, the song I Want to Get Better, which was like fucking anthem of the time, uh, still is, really, 10 years later, have not gotten better, um, is 10 years old. Uh, and the album is like 10 years old, Strange Desire, um, in June or July of this year. Um, but it was just, I remember being everywhere. Like, that's the album with like Roller Coaster. And, Roller Coaster is a great song. Uh, we kind of talked about this in the last episode, but a lot of artists in this time frame like release some of their biggest albums and their yeah. biggest hits. Yeah. And they're still being compared to them. Yep. To this day. Like, and we talked about this last time, too. Right. It's a different slew of bands, but they're experiencing the same types of comparisons. Right. And and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the time frame. Maybe it's what we were listening to. Maybe it was just like the magic of 2014 Tumblr. Um, but yeah, a lot of these artists haven't gotten back to that kind of like level of notoriety that these mm-hmm. albums had. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk through some of the anniversaries? Yeah. So... Um... 10-year anniversaries. Um, one of my, I think, one. Of, this, I think, is one of the best albums I've ever heard is Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. Yep. I am obsessed with Laura Jane Grace. Same. Like, I love Against Me. wholeheartedly love her. From Gainesville, Florida. Uh, her new album came out, actually, like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Mind Over Matter, the follow-up to the self-titled Young the Giant album, After the Disco by Broken Bells. They did not release another album as Broken Bells after this until 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, Voices by Fantagram, that's when they really projected and skyrocketed mm-hmm. into popularity. Morning Phase by Beck, and that's when he won um, Album of the Year at the Grammys in 15 and Kanye ran up on stage. I have that photo of Beck looking horrified. <laughs> um St. Vincent self-titled, Supermodel by Foster the People, that's Coming mm-hmm. of Age, yep. Best Friend, um, Singles by Future Island, the self-titled Sil- Sylvanesso album, Lazaretto by Jack White, um, Ultraviolence, Lana Del Rey, we talked about Bleachers, um, They Want My Soul, Spoon, Hungry Ghosts, OK Go. It's funny because we literally we talked about this album okay, at the bar the other yep. night. Um, Seeds by TV on the Radio. And then one of my favorites, Broke with Expensive Taste by Azalea Banks. Love that. That album is the one with 212. Yes. Um, a couple of other like big things of like a couple bands broke up this year and it was kind of a big deal. Some have gotten back together, some have not. Um, 2014 is when Alice Glass left mm-hmm. Crystal Castles, and that opened up the whole like abuse, downfall yeah. of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, when all of the abuse came it came to light about Ethan Calf like being an absolute shitbag. Yep. Um, Death Grips disbanded for the first time. Yes, they've disbanded twice. Um, the Rapture actually disbanded for a couple of years. They're back together now, but they split for several years. And then the other big one. Which has evolved into something totally different. I mentioned the Smith Westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a local Chicago band, and they broke up in fourteen. And three of their members went on to become the band Whitney. Yes, aka people that live in our neighborhood. Yes, people that we see all the time, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so, 
2014 is kind of looked at in a weird light as well. So as I was doing some digging on this, 2014 music culture is actually looked at as we're, we're talking about it and celebrating it. It's actually looked at pretty negatively and just mm-hmm. poorly. If you think about what that was popular the years before and after, um, Daft Punk was huge, Arcade Fire, Justin Timberlake, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, all of them had massive releases in 13. Yes. Like Clockwork, Queens of the Stone Age, Kanye West building up to Yeezus, like that's all 13. And so 2014 specifically is looked at as just kind of like meh. Yeah. Very, they called it very pedestrian. If you look at what was popular immediately before and immediately after. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that critically, 14 specifically is looked at so just kind of like meh right. on the whole. But, I mean, there's so much to celebrate around this time in general. And all of this shows is just like this immediate time frame is another like huge slew of music. Agree. And I think what's interesting too is it's like it's kind of like out. the center of it. The same thing with 2004 when we talked about it. It's like the center of that crazy yeah. time period. 2014 is also the central point of another crazy music mm-hmm. explosion. And I think what's interesting too is like it may be looked at as like a meh time of music. Year specifically. The year. But that music, a lot of the music from this year. Is, is, like, resurging. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, not, like, outside of our generation. So, like, Gen Z is discovering the 2014 era. Yep. Or 2014 year of music. And we, we're seeing a lot of these artists, like, pop back up again. I agree. It's interesting. I'm here for it because I love these bands. Right. So. Same. Um, rather than our standard wrap-up, um, if you're, I assume you're, that was fun, like, a little highlight at the mm-hmm. end. Um. I want to end this episode by us giving a brief um, overview of something really special to us that's coming out. Um, we have been invited to participate in a women's and non-binary individual um, collaborative beer. So we are a part of over a hundred organizations that are brewing a beer called Vibes since 1920. Um, this has been spearheaded by our incredible friend, Charlotte Converse from Solomoth. Um, this beer will be under the Hidden Hand label. So also, you know, Solomoth's child brand. Um, we, since, you know, since between episodes, we got to go actually to Solomoth Naperville facility and go brew this beer with, there was at least 40 incredible women that got to go you know to this event and go Mm -hmm. brew beer together um we were joined by our former guest and very good friend rachel morrison from beer adjacent um i don't know i this is things we've ever gotten it really is yeah and we were joined we met so many really cool people through this process a couple of weeks ago we got to go to the chicago location and do like a hop selection for the beer and then we actually got to go brew the beer where we learned about the brewing process. We actually physically got to touch and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. We got to network with a lot of people mm-hmm. and like learn about everything. It was just, yep. and we were on the news and we were on the news. Yeah. It was a, just a really cool event. Meeting yeah. People getting to like see the brewing process and see how like the beer that we consume is actually made and get to like put our own little hands on the spear. So our really grubby ex- little hands. Yeah. 
Um, so just really excited for this to come out. Um, we'll talk more about it. Our next episode's actually going to be very centered on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I wanted to share how excited I yeah. was about it and give It'll a be little coming shout out. out in Chicago. Uh, um, the beer will release uh, in both Salamoth locations and in four packs starting March 8th. So you'll hear more from us about it, but you'll hear more in the coming weeks. Um, we'll continue to post highlights on our Instagram story and our Instagram feed and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. So with that, um, listen through the songs. You'll hear our social medias. You can go through all that stuff. Leave us ratings, drink our beer, all the good stuff. Bye guys. You can follow along with all of our drunken shenanigans on Instagram at Drunken Uncultured. You can also contact us by email at drunkenuncultured at gmail.com. You can find me, Lindsay, on Instagram at Lindsay Sold Out. And you can find me, Stephanie, on Instagram at underscore Stephen Color.